Greetings, Amigops and Top Tenners everywhere. This is Mike from Top Ten with Kyle and Mike. I am joined this week, as I am every week, by our beloved co-host, Kyle. Now, unfortunately, I am joined by him uh, digitally this week, unlike last week when I was joined by him in the flesh. Now, Kyle has a topic, just like we have a topic every week. Kyle is going to tell us the topic. I don't know what it is yet. We are going to debate that topic vigorously. We're going to rank it. We're going to re-rank it. And then by the end of this episode, we will have a definitive top 10 list of that thing. Kyle, what are we talking about this week? Excellent, Michael. Thank you for that fantastic introduction. I have a list here today that I'm very excited about. It has been a year in the making. Oh my goodness. Yep, exactly. One year in the making. Um, I just saw you two days ago, and so I really didn't want to have to talk to you again, but this list was important enough that I decided to bite one for the, uh, bite the bullet, I should say, for our, yeah. our podcast, uh, listeners. So here it wow. is. That was selfless of you. Selfless yeah. as always. I'm a big guy. So I don't know. Have you heard of a book? Uh, you're an avid reader, so you've probably heard of it. The book is called Marion Webster's English Dictionary. I have in fact heard of this one. Yes. Okay. Uh, even if you've not read it, you know the, the gist of it. Yes. So Merriam-Webster is a also has a website, and on that website, they post a word every single day. It's called the word of the day. Okay. I So before you continue, I love this already because I think it's going to provide the listeners who may already know you some good insight into your daily life, which I really am excited to hear about. Yeah, so the, the word of the day has been a part of my life for a very long time. My dad had a word of the day calendar. It was like a very easy gift to give him every year, so he always had one. He loves words, uh, and he would always come home from work with his word of the day calendar page, and he would read us the word of the day at dinner. And that was like, that was when I was very young, and I have always I've kept up with the word of the day since. Um, now that there is more technology in my life, I listen to the word of the day podcast, which is usually like a minute long. And it's nice to listen to because you get the correct correct pronunciation and everything. That's big. Yeah. If you don't have time for the one-minute podcast or you just prefer reading it, you can find it on the website. So I have been keeping track of the word of the day uh, all of 2019, especially this year, knowing that I wanted to do a podcast like this. So um, what I've done is I've picked 10 words, and I picked 10 that I didn't know. So usually the word of the day, I would say... More than half the time, I know the word. Or mm-hmm. I should say, more than half the time, I've heard of the word. I might not yeah. be able to guess the definition, but I've, I know, I've heard the word before, and I can could probably figure it out based on context clues. In those cases, even, it's usually very interesting still because you learn about the word's etymology, mm-hmm. um, which oftentimes takes very circuitous routes that are very interesting. But for this podcast, I selected 10 words that I didn't know prior to hearing it on the word of the day. And I tried to pick words that I'd never even heard before. I also picked words that I think you could probably use in everyday conversation without sounding like too much of a douchebag. So these words are interesting. Depends on your baseline. Yeah, that's true. Like we could get away with it because people are Yeah, people already think we're douchebags. So it's like, whatever. Right. So these words are, um, they're, I pick them either because they're fun or they have cool etymology or just because mm-hmm. I really like them and I'm, I'm excited to use them in 
hopefully uh, my my personal life at some time in the near future. So I, I picked the word. I've got the power of speech, the definition, some etymology notes, and then I put each word into a sentence. This is just deeply exciting for me as your friend and as a lover of words. I have two questions for you. One, if I asked you to rate the average word in terms of difficulty from this, like, like, would you say that these are all, you know, A plus tough, tough, tough words, A minus, like, okay, like, what's, what's sort of, what is the dictionary going for on the word of the day? Like, are they trying to stump you and teach you something new? Like, what's the, what's the goal, do you think? I would say the toughness is right around a C. Like, there are okay, just, okay. There, there are just as many words that are really obscure and hard to understand as there are words that are very commonplace and easy to understand. And they're equally as interesting because, like I said, for the really easy words, um, oftentimes the reason they're involved, they're on the word of the day is because they have some really interesting etymology behind them. Um, and so maybe and the say, definition isn't the exciting part. It's the background. Yeah, and I've got a couple of those in my honorable mentions that have really cool etymologies um, that are words you definitely know. But there are there are there are hundreds of words from last year, literally three hundred and sixty five of them, and yes. we're only going to scratch the very surface. So, and guess what? If we do this list next year, three hundred sixty six. Yeah, leap year, leap year, baby. Calm down, Dad. We're not talking about the movie. Oh God, that is just yeah. it's like an all time great gym fact. At any rate, this is remarkable. I love it. Yep. I love it. I love it. Let's go. We're going to dive right in. Number 10 is the word brummagem. Do you know I'm the word? So, so, I do not. Could you spell that? The word is spelled B-R-U-M-M-A-G-E-M. Brummagem. Brummagem. I couldn't even actually begin to guess where this comes from. Like, that's a that's a that's an odd construction. So, let it rip. So it's an adjective, which surprised me. I thought that would be a noun. Would have guessed the noun. <laughs> I, I would have assumed it was some sort of like marmalade or topping to, to food. Oh. Make sure I you should put make your... You, I should make you guess all these. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is... I think you spread this on toast. Yeah. Brummagem. Right on your on your bread. Uh, so that's actually not the definition. The the, the definition is not... Sorry. It's, I'm so sorry. Let me... It is a... It is a... <laughs> A descriptor that describes mm. something you would rub on toast. Apo it's not a noun. Okay, yeah. apologies, yeah. So our, our actual definition, not genuine, spurious, or cheaply showy or tawdry. Interesting. So the, in, the, the really interesting thing here is the, the etymology. So Brummagem is actually a variant of the word Birmingham, named after Birmingham, England. Okay. Where... In the 17th century, it was well known that Birmingham was a leader in the field of producing false coins, fake currency. This is so, so great. If something was Birmingham, it was fake or cheap or tawdry, and eventually the word just morphed into brummagem, because I guess people mumbled a lot back then. <laughs> Too much snuff. They yeah, had, like these coins are <laughs> They had a mustache with like with elk in it, and they had a half a wad of tobacco in their mouth. I say so. This pipe is a <laughs> Oh yes, and I'm skipping all the tumors from yeah. the pipes and snuff. Yeah. Wow, Brumagem! I love it. I Brumagem. absolutely love it. 
Yeah, so so used in a sentence, uh, I will read you the sentence I put together. Calmly, Benjamin Franklin Gates explained to Riley and Chase that Ian was speeding away with only a Brumagem document. Wow. Just... I love it. Because I go. think that you get the denotation and the connotation there because not only is it, like, accurate that the declaration is fake, it's also, like, a false and showy version of it. So, Cheap. I just... You got it. You got it right on. I also think, just for the people who um, watch Peaky Blinders, that takes place in Birmingham, and those guys are definitely making some Brummagem goods. So I, I really like that. There you have it. I thought you'd like that one. Some English I, I really do. I'm probably not going to use it, but I quite like it. Yeah, you'd have to be... People would really look at you funny if you used Brummagem in a sentence. Then again, I don't know. I haven't been in, like, the, you know, mid to north of England in a while. Maybe they're... True. Maybe... Maybe they'd know. This would be a perfect word to write with. Like, I, yeah, I feel like the word of the day is a huge boon for writers because this is a a perfectly like not too snooty word to throw in there, but one that most people have not heard. So yeah, wow, beautiful. Number ten, number nine. The word is Parthian. Capital P A R T H I A N. It's an adjective. Yep. The definition is relating to, being, or having the effect of a shot fired while in real or feigned retreat. So, the interesting thing about this one, again, is the etymology. So, are you familiar with the Parthian Empire? I'm not. Me neither. I do so, know the word. I've, I oh, you do know it. I would not have been able to tell you that definition, but I've, I have come across the word. Interesting. So, I guess so, I don't know the word. I've, I've encountered the word. Fair enough. That's it. That's that's cool to hear. So the Parthian Empire was uh, basically in the place of modern day Iran, mm-hmm. um, and they famously would either in real or a fake retreat <laughs> would fire arrows from their horses as they fled from a, a battlefront or an enemy. Yep. So uh, and then the word they like so famously associated with this maneuver that Parthian became a, a word describing such a maneuver, which I think so- is pretty cool. So is it your understanding from what you learned that it's like, like if you and I were having a fight, would it be considered a Parthian maneuver if like, as I was turning to close the door, I said, and you're a bad friend. Like, is that, that's. Yeah, what, exactly. Okay. Or like, or if I had beaten you in an argument and then on your way yeah. out, like as you shut the door, you were like, yeah, well, you're, uh. The oatmeal you made on Sunday morning sucked, and then you, like, slammed the door. No, that was a good setup. Maybe the insult I would say is, Kyle, you're totally fishing for compliments. (laughs) The oatmeal was great. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how it was. For example. Or, but, and that's, the modern usage of the word is more of, like, a verbal uh, departing shot. Yeah, because that's that's how I, I, that's how I would imagine it's used, and applying like the greatest amount of thought to my memories that would be how i would have read it yep that's how it's used mostly that's not how i uh did it in my sample sentence here let her rip hope it involves yosemite sam sorry it it did not i'm sorry okay evading tackler is with the pocket collapsing around him stafford slung a parthian deep ball in the hopes that megatron could pull off one more miracle catch uh sequel did it did it land what do we think it did not land because megatron was quadruple teamed (laughs) they didn't cover any of the lions other great receivers 
Not necessary. Charles Rogers? Uh, uh, no. Williams? <laughs> uh, Marvin Jones Jr.? <laughs> Marvin Jones Jr. Come on. Kenny Galladay? The Lions actually do have a, a surprisingly deep receiving court. It's because they commit so much in terms of resources. It's just, it's like Al Davis with his weird obsession with fast people. Like, eventually you're going to get a couple decent ones. All right, I love that word. That's actually, because this, so I think Brummagem is probably not going to enter my lexicon, but I think Parthian is like, that's a legit word that you're not an ass for saying. And I like the specificity. I, I appreciate the specificity of the connotation. I agree. This this feels like something you might come across in reading an article or a yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I, this is ringing bells. I I don't I wouldn't have been able to define it, but I've definitely seen it used before and didn't think ugh. Yeah. Good. So that was number nine. Number eight. This is a word I have heard. You probably have heard it too. The word is Shanghai, but used as a verb. There's a movie where somebody says that. Where somebody refers to Shanghaiing something, but not for what it is. The most obvious reference for me is the SpongeBob episode called Shanghai. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I felt like somebody might have said this in Oceans. It's entirely possible. Yeah. So for those of you who who do not know, the term sh- to Shanghai means to put aboard a ship by force, often with the help of liquor or a drug, and the the modern kind of use of the term is more of like forcing or tricking someone into doing something that they don't want to do like a term other people use is press gang like they would say you press Mm. gang somebody into something like you just kind of force them to come along with you on something interesting sounds like a good synonym but i don't know that word yeah that's that i think is what people would say now because i'm guessing and i'm not i don't know because you'll tell me what the etymology is but i'm guessing that there might be some implication that's not as friendly in today's culture is that possible oh okay good well no so i can still say shanghai well mm, probably not so the (laughs) the the origin is that back in the day it was a long way to get to shanghai in china yes um from most places a dangerous journey yep a lengthy journey not many people wanted to do it so in order to get people to staff their ships yeah, you had to get a sailor drunk or induce him into a drug-induced stupor, and then you mm-hmm. had to put him on your ship, and then you had to take off, and so then they were forced to help you sail to Shanghai. So wow. that that's the origin of the term. I really like that. I yeah. like. I didn't. I didn't know what the origin was at all. I'm familiar with the term and its meaning in today's usage, but I was not aware that that was the etymology. It's, it's kind of like if you were forced to guess, you might say that. And it's I would have pleasing. guessed that something happened in Shanghai. Yeah. Like, the, like oh. the occurrence had occurred there and like there was some battle and this happened. It, it could have been any Far East city. Like it could have yeah. been. Oh, I, I really got Hanoi. You got Macau'd. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. The sentence I used, Spongebob and Patrick <laughs> Shanghai'd into a life of servitude aboard the Flying Dutchman ship. Set about learning the ins and outs of being a ghostly ghost crew. Yes. They so, did not sign up for that. No. They were literally shanghaied into servitude on the Dutchman's ship. Okay. That was number eight. Shanghai. Shanghai. Mm-hmm. So, now it's time for the not top three. Wait, wait. Time out. I have a question for you. Uh, have you seen it written in the past tense? Uh, and if so, do you know what they do? Do they just throw an ED at the end? 
I wonder if they just throw a D because it's S H A N G H I H A I. I wonder if you just put a D on there or if you put an E D. I don't know. <sighs> Hold on. I've now been Shanghaied. Okay. I E D. Okay. Okay. All right. Shanghaied. Good to know. I was Shanghai. Shanghaiing. Shang as one might. All right. I will start the not top three just as soon as I know it's time. I will need some kind of cue. Um. Then we just play it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No Thank you. Oh, thanks, Kevin. Wow. I'm glad that uh, he kind of took things upon himself there. I like to see that initiative. It's funny. He was actually just playing it in the background. We just picked the red up. Wow. Didn't even have to ask. He is he is really learning. Incredible. Yeah. Stankalicious. Thanks, buddy. Wow. Uh, so for the not top Kevin. three. Yeah, we do not know Kevin. For the not top three, I didn't pick words that sucked because I couldn't find any. So wow. I picked... I picked three words that if you use them in conversation, people would think you were an idiot because they're adjacent to other words, and it would sound like you were just getting those words wrong. You and I have really fretted about that concept in a very Curb Your Enthusiasm-y way. It's like, it's the, it's the stuff that you and I could just talk about for days and days, because I'm, I'm always concerned about saying the right thing, but having it be perceived that it's the wrong thing. For okay. more on this, see our uh, commonly misused phrases yep. pod. Or okay. let, let her rip. Yeah. So the first one is gingerly. So you've probably heard the term before and have applied it as an adverb, such as mm -hmm. uh, he walked gingerly into the room. Yep. But it is my newfound knowledge as of December 6, 2019, <laughs> that the term gingerly is also an adjective. So you could say that he took some gingerly steps into the room, which you would sound like a real interesting. Idiot if you said that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's it's a word you've used correctly before as a different part of a speech, but it can also be used as an adjective. And if you did so, you'd be correct, but you'd sound like a moron. Wow, interesting. There's another word that has a similar construction that's not bringing itself to mind right now, but that is. That's weird. I so so is it the case that saying he took some ginger steps is that wrong? I don't know how gin, uh, what ginger this is probably worth looking up since we're here already. Hold on. Because if you had asked me up, you know, into this conversation, I would say like his steps were rather ginger. If I had if you told me construct that sentence making it an adjective, I would say, you know, he took some ginger steps or something. Mhm. Mm uh, I looked up ginger and you got as told by ginger. I got, yeah, I got the, the spice that you put on sushi. I got yep. the adjective meaning red hair. Yeah. Um, I got the verb to ginger is to flavor with ginger or to make someone or something more lively, but I don't see an adjective for something that's light or, uh, very cautious. Are careful so i wonder if you can't use ginger as an adjective i suspect maybe that's the case it may be and people have just been doing it incorrectly because i'm sure i've done that before yeah i've probably said it just 
Assuming, just assuming that the rules kind of flowed through, but I guess they don't. So from now on, say gingerly when you would have said ginger before, unless you're talking about the spice. Yes. Or redheaded people. Or enlivening somebody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You've got it. You seem to have it down. Yep. Okay. This next one may just be my own ignorance, but the word is rattled, R-A-D-D-L-E-D. Rattled with D's. Which means being in a state of confusion or lacking composure, which is normally a state I would describe by saying rattled with T's. So it's interesting because that almost sounds like addled, like where you said the confusion part. This sounds like something of a mix between addled and rattled. Agreed. So there's it's, it's a double whammy because yeah. someone might be saying, does he mean addled and he said rattled or someone might say did he say rattled when he meant to say rattled and in either case you'd be correct to say rattled but someone might assume that you were an idiot or addled or addled Mm -hmm. so i did not know that rattled was a word i think i've been saying rattled this whole time which also may be rattled is a word yeah, so it's just two words that mean the exact same thing, and you're replacing the T's with D's, which is really very confusing. Seems useless. Yeah, so hmm. careful with the term rattled. Maybe yeah. just use rattled or addled. Yeah, probably going to pick one. The last one I have here is passim. So passim is an adverb that means in one place and another, here and there. Um, which I think could be easily confused for someone trying to say passing, like something that's passing, it's transient, it's in one place and another. Um, but if you said pass him, you'd be correct, but I think someone might think, did he mean to say passing? And I just don't think pass him is a well-known word. Do you happen to have a sentence for that? I just want to... I, uh, I would love to... Uh, I don't. I didn't write one down for this. No, that's okay. I just would like to know how somebody might use that. Hold on. Passum is from the Latin word passus, scattered, itself from pondere, meaning to spread. The book belonged to my father, and his trenchant comments are found passim, both in the margins and between the lines of text. So passing isn't really a... You can't really just slot that in there. Oh, okay. So this is... Okay, so... I, right here, if you read, I think you're looking at the same thing I'm looking at. So if you yeah. look above, it says sick passum is typically used to indicate that a word or idea is to be found at various places throughout a book or a writer's work. I suspect that that might be something that's used in the law profession or yeah. possibly in editing like an English paper. In fact, I would be willing to bet that I had a professor or two who did like SP because this does, wow. this actually does happen. I don't remember that, but I do know that sometimes uh, English professors would use uh, Latin shorthand to indicate things, and I never understood what it meant, and so I didn't take the edits, and then would you know lose a grade because of it. Sure. So I'm betting that I, I bet sick passum would be a good way of indicating that you have you're repeating yourself, um, or potentially on a positive side that you're connecting something nicely to a concept throughout your work. So I don't know if that would be a, a positive or a negative. Uh, well, shit. Now I feel like I should have put that in the top three, like the top 10, because that's so cool. 
but no, I like it. I, t- I don't. I don't. I would be curious to know the implication. Like, I don't know if that's something you'd want to see on your English paper or something that's mean. Let's get back with some of your professors and see what they think. Okay, see what I can find out. That concludes. Well, I'll throw one more in because that one was like a half not top three. The last one I had here was Metalsome, which is like Rattled in that it's just replacing T's where I normally associate D's. So Metalsome means you're someone who meddles and gets involved in things you don't need to be involved in. Metalsome means you're full of vigor and stamina. Like you have lots of metal. Metal. Yeah. That is... M-E-T-T-L-E. That's a tough one. That's tough because I just don't know what the scenario that would arise for me to use that. I guess I'd write it. This is, I think, a good example of something I might write. I don't think I would ever write rattled, but I could see myself, if I were really burning through the thesaurus, (laughs) I might write metalsome. Mm. But I I don't think I'd say it because people would assume I I were saying metalsome. Right. Mm. Agreed. So that's why it's in the not top three. Interesting. Okay. On to number seven. Number seven. This is a fantastic one. I wonder if you know this one. Number seven is Billingsgate. Do you know the term? No, not even at all. That sounds... Can I guess? Yeah, go for it. Either the name of a person who had some particular quality that was turned into into a, a more generic word, or the place where they take your money at like a theater... Wow. Oh, a Billings gate, a gate of billing. Yeah. Close. It's somewhere <laughs> in between those things. So okay. it's it's named after a place. Okay. Um, well, okay, I'll give you the definition first. So the yeah. definition of Billings gate is, well, it's a noun. Mm-hmm. It, it's coarsely abusive language. So it's just a lot of cursing and such. So it is I, named... I love this already. That's a great... Cut out your Billings gate. Exactly. Yeah. So it's named after the Billingsgate Fish Market in London. Do you know the place? No, but this is incredible. Well, it's a good thing you stayed away from Billingsgate Fish Market. Yeah, I would have heard some very adult things. The sailors there, Mike, they swore so profusely (laughs) in frequency. What? It's Old Bud Jenkins and his Javapi. (laughs) They swore so often and so vilely that... The term Billingsgate became synonymous with their coarse language. Wow. What utter foulness. That is... Oh, that is fantastic. Isn't that amazing? I, I really that. like that one. I, I intend to use that next time I catch someone saying something they shouldn't be saying. Like, if my sister Claire were to say, like, a bad word, I'd like, mm. Enough of your Billingsgate! I wonder if we had shared... Uh, this term or if we had invoked this term with any of the Green Street hooligans do you think this would have had any effect on them? No, I do not. (laughs) Those guys are going to swear no matter what you say. Probably. That's what it's all about. It's true. That and beating up people from uh, Millwall. Yeah, they don't seem to actually care all that much about football. I don't think they like uh, the sport. I'm I'm actually not certain they care about the sport. No. And there were many... Wow, wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> After Elijah Wood was shanghaied, through Bromagem means, they got into a huge oh. fight, and on the way out, cast a few Parthian shots. Wow. Yeah. Let's see if you can add five more by the time <laughs> we're done with this. 
But I did use this in a sentence, even though it's now not necessary since you uh, explained it so well. But uh, I used it in a sentence here. Emma turned off her friends turned her friends podcast off, disappointed that a list of Disney sidekicks contained enough Billingsgate to make a sailor blush. Wow. Really nice stuff. That is just high quality. Yeah. And based off of no one in particular. So if there are uh, similarities to people's real or otherwise, that is unintentional. Absolutely. Purely coincidental, baby. That's right. Yep. That brings us to number six, Mike. Are you ready? I'm, I'm so ready. I love this list. Yeah. Number six is a really fun one. I like it a lot came to us on december the 2nd 2019 good month so far yeah big big month well actually our first three were all from april wow you go april billingsgate was from uh, november and now bon vivant oh uh, yes that's the word the word is bon vivant huge you know the word word. huge you you know you know who could be described as this who's professor slughorn would be a great example Per- fucking perfect wow yeah, this is a great I, I love this term i'm glad that you already know it do you think yeah. that most people know it because i'd never heard of it no i don't i don't i think it would i think it's probably a, it's like a this is like a b plus word like yeah. i think it's i think some people would know it but no this isn't like i'm not hearing this one every day at work so so the word means uh, well, you know it already from Mike's context clues. A sociable person who has cultivated and refined tastes, especially yeah. with respect to food and drink, like crystallized In particular, pineapple. crystallized pineapple, yes. And horcruxes. I and, mean, not, uh, not, not horcruxes. No, absolutely not. Never. <laughs> and, uh, My God, Acromantula um, But you can such a splitting it into seven pieces. <laughs> this is all purely academic, right, my boy? Yes, of course, of course. yes, Slughorn, absolutely, you shit. Uh, of course. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Then in that case, I'll tell you. In that case, totally <laughs> fine. Would you like the spell? <laughs> Here's some cool places to hide one, theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, being a Bon Vivant doesn't necessarily mean that you have a walrus mustache, but it doesn't preclude it. It should. Yeah. It should. The etymology in this one's pretty straightforward. It's a French term. Mm-hmm. From the French bon, which means good, and vivant, which means to live. So literally, a bon vivant is a good liver. Not a liver like the organ, but someone who is good at living. But very likely, a bon vivant would like liver. Probably, because they are well up on their foods. Mm-hmm. They're foodies. If you have any foodie friends, you might be able to describe them as a bon vivant. Yes. So... I used it in a sentence here. Let it rip. The sentence goes, I, it's not even worth it since you already so accurately described Slughorn as one, but I'll do it anyways. Please. Prior to founding and later selling Tommy's Closet, Tom Haverford carefully <laughs> cultivated a reputation as Pawnee's foremost bon vivant. Boo, 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 boo. Tommy Timberlake. <laughs> cool, cool. Eagle I medallion. Could... <laughs> Let's crack it. Let's crack and crack and book. I could see. I was imagining myself as a uh, a food like a restaurant critic and doing a little bio on the owner of the restaurant, Tom Haverford. Yes, described as a bon vivant. 
Also, Caroline, I just want to be clear. She heard. She must have heard me doing the Tom Haverford because she just walked by and did the Tom Haverford. <laughs> Where is he from? South Carolina, baby. No, bef- like I know, I know. You were you were trying to team that. me up for something. No, you did it perfectly, and then and then I say no, but before that, oh yeah, South Carolina, Libya. <laughs> so. That's number six. Number six is Bon Vivant. Yes. <clears throat> Love that one. Bring, that brings us to the top half of our list. Damn right. What a list. What an epic list. I'm having fun. Yeah, this is uh, this is really great. <laughs> I figured you would appreciate this one. Yeah. Number five is a word. It's a noun. Came to us on October the 23rd of last year. The word is spoonerism. Do you I'm know so what a spoonerism Could- is? Spoonerism. Spoonerism. Spoonerism, spelled S-P-O-O-N-E-R-I-S-M. Spelled like it sounds. All right, so I'm going to guess. I'm going to say that a spoonerism is a term that was incorrectly used by a person named Spooner. Like, I might say that something is a Kyleism. Like, if you if you had a term that you liked a lot or something you co-opted for your own vocabulary... You must have heard this sometime in your past and stored it because that is exactly what a spoonerism is. But I don't know who Spooner is. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, uh, named after British clergyman William Archibald Spooner. Oh, W.A. I know him as W.A. Spooner. Sorry. My bad. W.A. Spooner. <laughs> you had me there for a sec. I thought you were... <laughs> So a spoonerism made famous by uh, W.A. Spooner is a transposition of usually initial sounds of two or more words, as in tons of soil for sons of toil. So it's just when you swap the first sounds of two words. Oh, I really like that. Yes. Isn't it fantastic? Like, if I were to say tiggle bitties. Except, (laughs) theoretically, that would still work as they would still be two different words. Uh, yeah. Or, like, for example... You would rather be a smart feller than a fart smeller. Yes, precisely. Mm, chef's kiss. Yeah. Or, <laughs> I used it in a sample sentence here. Oh, thank you. This is foul, so be careful. <laughs> uh, Jim noted that a conversation about cunning stunts was a very uh, bad time to invoke an accidental spoonerism. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's based off of a joke that my dad used to tell. It's a dirty Also, joke. also, very apt given our weekend. We oh, yeah. heard uh, a spoonerism of, st- I almost, uh, cunning stunts. Cunning stunts. Uh, I almost said something else. Um, many times during last movie weekend. A lot of British film. That's a lot of British scene. films, yes. So, um... You'll hear this come up sometimes. It's uh, it's it's yeah. really fun. A writer that I love um, does a weekly kind of rundown of things happening in baseball, and he always mm-hmm. includes a spoonerism of the week where he'll go find the best. He'll find baseball players' names and flip their first and last, the first letters of their first and last names, and come up with a fun spoonerism every like week. Like Buki Mets. Yeah, exactly. Um, or like Walfred. Walf- it was like Walfred Mookie, and it was like Walfred Wookie, and he was mm-hmm. saying how he liked to picture a Wookie playing baseball, stuff like that. 
Yes. So that's a Spoonerism. It's named after a guy named Spooner, William Archibald, who frequently mixed up his uh, his words. Big fan. I like that. Now we're up to number four. This is a word I know that you have heard before, and I'm sure you can locate. Okay. Although I'm not sure you've heard it more than once. I know it from one specific place. Okay. Another one from December, big month. The word is a noun. The word is flibberty gibbet. A flibberty gibbet. Is there a song? A flibberty gibbet song? Uh, yeah, isn't uh, I think that in the sound of music they refer to uh, how do you solve a problem like Maria? A flibberty gibbet. Oh, that is not the reference I was thinking of. That's interesting. Where have I heard it otherwise? Flibberty gibbet was once the password to access uh, Professor Albus Dumbledore's study. Oh, you're right. Yeah, so I know it from I know it from sound of music. I am going to assume, probably incorrectly, that it means like a silly heart or like a goofy person. A silly or flighty person okay. is the definition. So that's so that's how the nuns describe uh, Maria. Well, there you have it. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the etymology I find <laughs> This should hilarious. be good. This should be really good. It, <laughs> so it's a Middle English term originally... The original word was fl- uh, flappergebit. Mm. So, which Middle <laughs> English is an effed up time. There's some it's, weird shit that was happening then. It's wild, but yeah. flappergebit was literally just an onomatopoeic word that people smashed together because they wanted a word that sounded like gibberish. <laughs> um, okay. So, flappergebit is a word that means gibberish, and eventually yep. it was adapted into flippity gibbet which described a, a person who was silly or flighty. Wow. I really like that. And my dad will be upset if I don't relate this to Uncle Buck when the teacher is explaining to Uncle Buck all of the th- reasons that Maisie is a bad student and he refers to her as a silly heart. Uh, and I, this is a perfect example. You would be a silly heart if you were a flipperty gibbet. Indeed you would. Mm. So very quickly, I used it in a sentence. Please. Luna... The flippity gibbet from Ravenclaw <gasps> oh. drifted out of the conversation as if a Raxbird had just entered the compartment. Kyle, that's that might be the most beautiful sentence committed to the English language. That is so perfect. <laughs> I don't think it's a coincidence that the that, that just popped into my head. I think Grammy Joe gets a lot of credit for bringing this word into my my orbit. Yeah, agreed. She has a, she seems, I don't know what her educational background is, but I'm assuming that she has some uh, Middle English, like, linguistic background, because her knowledge of, like, Dumbledore is a good example. That's, I know we've talked about this before, but, like, that's the sort of thing that she seems interested in. Absolutely. And we know she has a pretty exhaustive knowledge of other languages, if, yeah. If her naming of creatures is anything to uh, yes. go by. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about that in the context of Fantastic Beasts. And we're about to, again, segue time. Let's go into some honorable mentions. Let her rip. The first one, directly related to our discussion of Fantastic Beasts, is the word auger, hmm. which means to foretell, especially for women's. This yep, is a big, a- that's a big distinction because there's A-U-G-E-R and A-U-G-U-R. Yep, A-U-G-U-R means to to foretell something. And, and this is the bird one, right? This is the bird. It's entrails? It was thought to be able to predict people's death. Like, if you heard an augury, it predicted your own death. Yeah. 
So that's fun. Um, Chock-a-block is an adjective mm. that means brought close together or very full. I actually heard that used in a sentence the other day on a podcast we both love, and I was very impressed. I like chock-a-block. Yeah. Reminds me of chock-full of nuts. Exactly. I think Concepcion said something like, this Like this episode was chock-a-block uh, with symbolism or something like that. It was pretty cool. I like that. Do you know this word, gormless? Yeah. It's something that Brits say a lot. I think it means like... I, so I don't know. I couldn't define it for you, but I'll tell you what I'm picturing. I'm picturing like a like a sidekick who is sort of like slimy and has no gumption. Like they're sort of just like a yes man and they're a little sneaky. It just means lacking intelligence or stupid. I think of Crab and Goyle. Okay, so that's not... I wonder if it's possible if there's an implication beyond just dumb. Because yeah, because I've read it enough times that I have some built-in context, but I've never actually looked it up. Well, now you know. Yeah. And it does say here specifically chiefly British term. So Yeah, definitely. That's for damn sure. Um, hoodwink. Everyone knows the term hoodwink. I just thought it was fun because it was on April 1st. Oh, I like that. Do we know yeah. what that means? Like why? I don't. Do you know? Hoodwink once meant to cover the eyes of someone, such as a prisoner with a hood or blindfold. Okay, because it says hood was obviously hood, but then wink is an old term meaning to close the eyes. Like, not our version of, like, wink, wink, but, like, yeah. actually to wink. So you wink someone by hooding them. You hoodwink yeah, them. Precisely. I wonder if that's where they get, like, the gate. What is it, 40 winks? How many winks is it? When they yeah. say, like, go to sleep? I bet yeah, that's, that's just, probably I bet it. it's wink in that sense. I would tend to agree with that. Yeah. The next word is footle, which I think is just a funny word. It's a word that means to to talk or act foolishly or to waste time. So footling about. Stop footling around. Stop footling around and get some work done, you lazy potato. Gormless fool. Oh, I like yeah. footle. That's fun. Don't, don't be a lazy I, It's potato. like futzing. Like, I like when people say futz. Like, stop yeah. futzing around. Because mm. it sounds like fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, tonsorial, which has nothing to yeah, do with oh tonsils. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Tonsorial. It, spell it for me. T-O-N-S-O-R-I-A-L. Tonsorial. Is that, is that to do with your hair? To do with a barber or the work of a barber. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. You're going to love this one, unless you know it already. Do you know the adjective inkhorn? Inkhorn? Inkhorn. I-N-K-H-O-R-N. No. Adjective? Yep, I know. Okay. So this is really cool etymology. So the word means something that's ostentatiously learned or pedantic. And so this it, podcast. Yes, exactly. So it origin originates from back in the day, scholars and writers used to carry ink around in animal horns, like mm-hmm. a vessel to carry ink around in. And so as English began to develop that became the vernacular, but these learned type snobs continued to use Latin terms. Um, and so like their writing was often hard to decipher by the common folk or people. Uh, so if a word came across as like pedantic or snooty or douchey, um, they would call it inkhorn to basically tie it to these douchey writers that would That's walk around. so like, good. Isn't I really, cool? really like that one. And in yeah. fact, I think that might be a word I could use. Like it would, that's so good. 
I love that word. Um, yeah. The irony here is that the only people who would know the term. Exactly. You, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. But I really like that. I, I was just talking to somebody, uh, a friend who was asking me if I had read Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. And boy, oh boy, that would be an inkhorn book if I've ever read one. Um, I quite like mm, some of Cormac McCarthy's writing. That is not my favorite. It's just, I, I huh. still don't know what happened. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a dumbass, but I think he was being inkhorn. That's funny because the other, the two books I've read by him are very not inkhorn. They're very. Yeah. You've read the same as I have, right? Road and No Country The Road and. Yeah. 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 Same. This one was, was inkhorn, my friend. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Moving right along. This is a great word. Do you know the term Luftmensch? Luftmensch? L-U-F-T-M-E-N-S-C-H. No, but I can guess because Luft means like fly in German and Mensch means person. So like a fly, is it like a pilot? Kind of. I think it might have started that way and um, evolved over time. It means an impractically contemplative person oh, having, that's no, perfect. having no definite business or income. So someone who just kind of floats or flies from place to You'd place. You'd say like yeah. that person's a space cadet, a space case. Yeah, a Luftmensch. Oh, that's so good. Isn't that great? Oh, I really like that one. That's good. Yeah, I'm going to use that one on a friend of ours next time I see him. Hmm, I wonder whom. <laughs> next is Uper. I was just happy that this was a word of the day. Wait, you? Like um, you? I am not a Uper. I'm a troll. I know, but... but, I, uh, but a Michigander? Yeah, so a Uper is from someone from the Upper Peninsula, from yep. the UP, a Uper. How do you that's spell Uper? Y-O-O-P-E-R, Uper. Because that's how I would phonetically write it, but I didn't know if that's actually the way somebody would write that. Uper. Uper. Mm. Wow. Yep, two more. This one I... I I threw on here because I remembered it as one of my favorites from when I was a kid. My dad brought this one home once. The word is triskaidekaphobia. <laughs> Are you afraid guess, of triscuits? <laughs> afraid of what? Triscuits. Oh, close. It's uh, fear of the number 13, I think it's cool. Oh, yeah. That is a fun one. I feel like Quinn, Quinn definitely knows that. Probably. Yeah. He, I mean, he probably knows most of these words, but he definitely knows that one. The last one is a perfect example of a word you definitely know, but probably didn't know the etymology of. Boycott. Oh, let her rip. So, this is so cool. So, everyone knows the definition of boycott. It means to to actively not, you know, partake in something to kind of send a message. Or not yep. buy something or not trade with somebody or whatever. Yep. It's, it's like made... I boycotted Duff Beer because it was made in Shelbyville. Exactly. Yeah. So... It's actually named after a guy whose last name was Boycott. An Irish guy, he was a lord who enacted some kind of tax on his serfs, and they didn't like that. They don't and, usually. And so they just stopped like doing work for him and stopped trading with him and all this stuff, and his kingdom fell into disarray. And uh, so now then people around the Irish countryside would say, oh, you really got boycotted. And uh, that's the origin. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Do you want to hear what my fake definition was, or my fake etymology was going to be? Yes, please. I was assuming that this was a Newsies situation, <laughs> and all of the boys wouldn't leave their cots. Ah! That's that what I was fun. picturing, but I like yours way better, because it's 
better and also true. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. I, kind, I don't know. I kind of like yours better. I don't know. I like this, this poor boycott guy. He sounds yeah. like a real mensch. A real... Not it's a loose mensch, just a... Not a loose mensch. It's also and not a mensch either, just kind of a dick. It sounds like this was a policy that was handed down to him from higher up, but he's the one that got saddled with the name. Yeah. So... Yeah, I wa- yeah, I wonder if he kind of got hosed in this whole thing. He was just a yes man. Right. Yeah. So, now we're in the top three. The next word is really, really fun. I like this word. It has a lot of uses. The word is ABC Darian. I'm so sorry. ABC Darian? ABC Darian. Like a person who loves the ABCs? That is literally the definition. Is someone who is learning or teaching or has something to do with the alphabet. Could you spell this for me? ABC Darian. A, B, C. No, just kidding. A, B, E, C, E, D, A, R, I, A, N. ABC Darian. ABC Darian. Wow, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Sal is the cutest ABC Darian I know. Yep. And what I especially love about it is that it has transformed into a noun and it can mean it's like it means relating to the alphabet but it has evolved over time to kind of more mean something very basic or rudimentary like your abcs so a abc darian is someone who is a novice in something so sal is everyone's favorite abc darian this is this is amazing and i love it so much i can't help but think of um the episode of breaking bad where it's abq but it's spelled a b e q u i u or something yeah but whatever it is it's like spelled out that way that's how i'm that's how i imagine this word was created but wow i love that that's a great that's like actually a really good word i like that word a lot and could picture myself using it and i imagine in a couple hundred years when the concept of your abc's is either non-existent or different in some way, which is probably the case. Like, it will probably change the way people think. The origins of this word will become glossed over with age, and it will just be abysidarian. I, yeah. But I, I, this one's so high because I think you're right. Like, you could use this in a lot of scenarios. Someone that's new to something or, you know. I, I used it in a different sense in my uh, sample or no, I didn't. I used it exactly in this way. I changed it after some thought. So my sentence was, Anka, an ABC Darian in the ways of college life, assumed that every one of the 80,000 eyeballs on ISU's campus were on her at all times. Yep. Only only most of the time. Yeah. It's really wow. not all the time. Wow. So good. I love that word. ABC Darian. I, so I'm just so far, like, I definitely think I'm going to use Parthian. Yeah. And I'm... Jeff, I'm probably going to use this one too. Yeah, but I Parthian so far is the one I'm probably going to use the most. But I'm ABC Darian is really good. Yeah, I think number one for me right now is probably Billingsgate, probably because I swear so much. Yeah, but, but ABC Darian, I I would like to use yeah more frequently. The same is true of our number two word, the second word on our list, also from April, big month this year. Cats and Jammer. It's a, <laughs> Say again. Cats and Jammer. Like Cat Zen Jammer? But with a K? K-A-T-Z-E-N-J-A-M-M-E-R. Cats and Jammer. Let her rip. Did you have the origin? 
Yes, you can. Uh, wow. Or please. the definition? Give me the definition first, but I do also want to hear the origin. I want to hear everything I can hear about this. Definition of Cats and Jammer is a hangover or distress, depression, or confusion resembling that caused by a hangover. Okay, so what in God's name is the origin of this one? This is another example of how fucking amazing the German language is because it's, it's just two words smashed together like yeah. Luftmensch. Yeah. So, cat, which comes from the German cat, <laughs> means cat as in a feline. Yep. And okay. jammer from some German word that means wailing. So, literally in German, cats and jammer is a cat wailing. And the term came about because some poor fool who had a hangover heard a cat wailing and could relate and said, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like that wailing cat. Exactly. Does it sound like that? That's how I feel when I have a hangover. Therefore, cats and jammer. Oh my, this is, this is an all-time word. Cats and jammer. I, I will probably never use the word hangover again. And Why I'm being serious. What, uh, like, what use could that term have for you at this point? Like, it's worth it to me the next time I'm hungover among people's like, ah, oh, I've got a real cats and jammer. And people are going to say, what? And I don't even, I, I'm actively looking forward to explaining this term. It's such a fun word. I have, ex I have told you before, and I think you know the song, Sunshine by Atmosphere. Oh, I listen to that song all the time because yeah. of you. So Sunshine is the greatest hangover song of all time because it's just about the things that make you get over a hangover, namely just going outside and enjoying the world. And I think saying Cats and Jammer while hungover will have a similar therapeutic effect. The, the very fact that you have said Cats and Jammer will entice other people to ask you about it. It will start a conversation that distracts you from said Cats and Jammer. And I think it will set you on the road to recovery. I agree. And don't forget, you could use this to describe any cacophonous situation. Mm. So mm. you could be in a real cats and jammer of a traffic jam. Yeah. Wow. A traffic jammer, as it were. You remember um, there's the caterwauling charm that mm -hmm. uh, they use in, uh, in, the, in Hogsmeade to signal the presence of, of strangers? I feel like it could be called the cats and jamming Ooh. charm as well. It causes a large, a, a loud din. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I like that a lot. Yep. Uh, I Cats used it in a jammer. sentence here. Yeah, please. Having consumed five summer shandies the previous day, <laughs> Kyle struggled through the mother of all cats and jammers as he made his way into work. It's tough. It's a tough look for our guy, Kyle. Again, not based on any person's real or otherwise. And any similarities are entirely coincidental. Nope. No. That brings us to my number one word. I don't I don't know what this could be unless it's blats and jamming. Like I don't know how it's gonna be better. It's not I will say the etymology is not as exciting and I won't use it as much as cats and jammer, so maybe they should switch places, but this mm. word is there's a very meta aspect to this word that I really like. So our number one word coming to us from November 18th, 2019 is Mojust. Do you know the term, the word mojust? I don't think so. Could you spell it? M-O-T space J-U-S-T-E. Mojust. Okay. So, no, but um, just, I think, just means just. And 
Mo. So, like, there's a Bon Mott, but I don't remember what that means. So, no. It wouldn't surprise me if Mo was French for word or something like that, because the term Mo Juste means the exactly right word or phrasing. So, if you've got the Mo Juste of something, you've got the perfect so word. So, that's absolutely right, because uh, Bon Mott or Bon Mot means uh, a witty remark. A good so, remark. Bon yes. is good, like bon yep. vivant. Yep. Okay, so say again, this is a this is exactly the right phrase. It's a really f- apt phrase. Yep, mo juste. And it's exactly, you just work through the etymology there. It's mo, which uh, is like a phrase or wording, and juste, which is just. So I imagine it's like just the right word. Um, wow, I like that. That's It's great because the, the meta aspect for me is that there's no good word to describe when you have just the right word. You usually mm. would just say like, oh, I found the perfect word. Yeah. The perfect word to describe For the, the perfect, perfect word, word is mojust. I, that, I remember when I listened to this the first time, I was just like so happy that this word existed and I'm really looking forward to using it. And you it immediately went... And somewhere, and somewhere, Mojuception. And somewhere, Dylan just went, (laughs) God, I thought I destroyed that button. Are they going to keep hitting that button? No, it's not possible. They will run out of enjoyment. They've been playing with that button for like 10 minutes. Are they serious? This is quite a cat's and jammer. I can't believe that they're still going. Those two Fliberty gibbets. Those gormless fools. I will throw all sorts of Billingsgate at them if they continue. I can't believe I've been shanghaied into this stupid turret. And as Dylan exited the room, he, he tossed one last Parthian word at them. <laughs> you you cunning stunts, he yelled. <laughs> Invoking a spoonerism to avoid Billingsgate. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so and i put it in a sentence here yeah just in case rip. it's not clear over the course of their friendship michael had shown an uncanny knack for delivering the mo juiced for a given moment in the form of a metaphor metaphor mike he rides metaphor again mike. he finds the mo juiced for any situation wow kyle this is this is a perfect list. It's a perfect list. I, this is like the knives out of lists. This is perfect. I had probably more fun making this list than I've had in some time making lists, which is saying yeah. something because I love making these lists. It's yeah. my favorite thing to do. So I look, I like this one a lot. I'm already almost a month through compiling 2020's words of the day. Get excited. I would be for this pretty comfortable year. making this a yearly list. Yeah. And if you don't want to wait until next year, guess what? There's a whole podcast you can listen to, or if you don't want to listen to this, you can just look it up on their website. It's very easy to find. It's Merriam-Webster's Word of the Day, narrated by my boy, Peter Sokolowski. He's a genius. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right. Run us through them. Recap them, baby. Number 10, Bromagym. Something fake or spurious. Number 9, Parthian. Relating to, being, or having the effect of a shot given while retreating. Shanghai. Tricking someone into doing something they don't want to do, like sailing all the way to Shanghai. Number seven, Billingsgate. Coarse language, named after the Billingsgate Fish Market in London. 
Number six, bon vivant. Someone who has literally a good liver, especially when it comes to fine dining. Number five, spoonerism. Named after our friend W.A. Spooner, who was probably dyslexic, the poor bastard. That's probably true. <laughs> probably <Somebody>. just dyslexic. <laughs> Sorry, Archibald. <laughs> William Archibald. Blarchibald. <laughs> Sorry. Number four, Fliberty ah, Gibbet. Yeah. A silly or flighty person. Number three, ABC Darian. Someone who is a novice at something or someone who's learning their ABCs. Or something that has to do with the alphabet. Really a lot of uses for ABC Darian. Number two, the Katzenjama. A hangover or something yeah. loud and cacophonous such as a hangover. And... Number one, my favorite word from last year. Say it in a Cajun accent. Mojuste. Oh. Oh, I found the perfect mojuste. It's the mm. perfect or exactly right word or phrasing. So I challenge all of you, use each of these words one time this next year, either in verbiage or in writing, if you can. Please do. What a list. That is that, Michael. And uh, I thank you for your time with me today. I thank you for our listeners for listening to all these words. And I'd like to thank our good friend, Kevin McLeod, who we do not know, who nevertheless has produced our introduction and not top three music. It's so stanky. It's so stanky. Thank you, Kevin. And of course, I'd also like to thank my sister, Erin, for her artistic stylings. If you want to see a very good example of that, look no further than our artwork. She did that. And then if you want to see more of her stuff, you can do that at Santazine on Instagram. True that. She made us look good, which was a feat to... It was a feat to behold. Uh, so thank you, Aaron. If we want to thank anybody else, we could thank Caroline Labranti for her wonderful social media styling. She's been on her game lately. And if you want to see her stuff for us, check out our Instagram. That's our best content hub. That's top 10 KM with the 10 spelled out T-E-N. If you want to shoot us an email, tell us that you think our words suck or you have other words, that's top10km at gmail.com. If you want to admire any of Caroline's other stylings, check her out at uh, her new Instagram, which is CML something. You'll find it. Go through the page, uh, the top 10 page. Finally, I know you're probably listening to us on some kind of app, but if you want another one, we are on the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. So, my dear friend, that's what I would say. I think that's pretty much all there is to say, Michael. Thank you dearly for your time. I really appreciate it. And if you are still keen, I would like to do this again next week. Kyle, I would be... All right. Until then, arrivederci. Arrivederci. Peace.